Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Shardell. And I'm Amber. And we're wrapping up Missing in Morency, part two of the yes. Skelton Brother case. Hopefully no one's still mad at me for leaving them so abruptly in part one. <sighs> they they might be. I can't I can't make promises for people I don't know, Amber. It is unforgivable. They might be mad at you <laughs> still. <laughs> I know your Patreons aren't because they got to listen they right away. They hopped right over. They did. And they got a brain bath, so they're probably satisfied and I'm not upset because I went upstairs took a pee break grabbed another drink and now I get to listen to it so (laughs) I didn't have to wait for part two either so yeah so let's recap just a a little bit before we if jump in yeah and if you haven't listened to part one definitely listen to it so you're not lost yeah I kind of I'm leading up to the skeleton boys disappearing and Mm kind of what happened the background of the uh, John and Tanya's relationship Mm -hmm. in a nutshell so where we left off is Tanya was dropping the boys off to her parents' house. Yep. During this time, John was still working. He wanted to work things out with Tanya. And so there was this period of like they were co-parenting and she was kind of going along with it. Like, yeah, we can try. And they did some counseling, but things did get ugly between them during that time. So mm-hmm. there was some fighting back and forth. John was telling the boys things that were not okay to tell them about their mother. Yep. And so there was a big fight that kind of broke out during that time, Mm -hmm. right before she dropped the boys off. So along with that, I think during the call, at one point John was still asking if they could get back together. I don't know how adamantly he wanted to get back together, but I, I get this sense that he really did and was probably very persistent about it. Mm hmm And so at this point, she told him, I don't really know. Like, you've completely broken my trust. You told the boys all these things about me. And so... And took two of them to Florida without my consent. Exactly. Yeah. There was that, too. Right. And so she pretty much told him at that point. I don't know if it was the first time she really indicated, like, I really don't know if this is going to happen. But I think that's when he got super upset. Mm -hmm. You know? So he... I don't know. We'll we'll talk about everything that unfolds, but everything that I've read, I think he after this fight really lost his shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, Tanya said she didn't think a whole lot about this conversation when it happened. They got into a fight. They'd been in fights before, so she didn't like really read into it until everything unraveled, which it does shortly after that fight. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to take you to the day that the boys were last seen, and this is where. Everything starts in this very tragic case on this day. So on Thanksgiving Day of 2010, the three boys who were just five at the time, Tanner was five, Alexander was seven, and Andrew was nine. They were with their father, John Russell Skelton, at his house on 100 East Congress Congress Street in Morency. Now, neighbors remember seeing the kids playing in the front yard that day around 2.30 p.m., so they were there. Sounds like having fun. Tanner was wearing camouflage pants and a Scooby-Doo shirt. Alexander was wearing a gray t-shirt and black pajama pants. And Andrew had brown pajamas on with with orange trim. So they were in their jammies playing that afternoon. It looked like a normal, typical day. John was supposed to get the kids back home to their mother by 8.30 a.m. the day after Thanksgiving. But something wasn't sitting well with Tanya that about the whole situation. So she had dropped the boys off at her parents' house for John to pick up. To pick up, Mm -hmm. yep. So then they didn't have to have contact with one another. Yes, Mm -hmm. yep. And so John took the boys back. He had them for Thanksgiving Day. Okay. And he was supposed to have them until the day after Thanksgiving. the next morning. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know if it was, sounds like it was maybe a gut feeling. Tanya was like, something feels off. It doesn't feel right. So she ends up calling John. And, and offered to pick them up early. Okay. Like, hey, I can come get the boys. You know, something was just not feeling great. Mm-hmm. When Tanya called John, he told her that they weren't home, 
But as I mentioned, they could see into each other's yards. Right. So she's like, your vehicle's there. Like, I can <laughs> like, see that you're right. your home. It's Marenzi. I'm uh, outside. I can, and yeah, I can see there. what's going on. So... Because you had mentioned in part one, they live very close to each other. Yes, they live very Mm -hmm. close. It's like a block away. And so they can see you in each other's home if they go outside. So she's like, "Uh, actually, you know, you're you're home. And so then at that point, John was like, oh, well, the kids were with his friend, Joanne Taylor. Now you're going to hear this name come up a lot, this Joanne Mm -hmm. Taylor person. But he's like, oh, the kids are with Joanne. Now this is a part that's dicey. Mm -hmm. I will tell you it changes a lot as to who jo- Joanne Taylor is. Mm-hmm. At, at one point, it was a pastor's wife yep. that was from Jackson, and this was a couple they had met, that he had met when he stopped to help them on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, they're friends of mine. Like, we met when I helped them with their vehicle. Like, that was, like, one of the original oh, when I stories. was being a savior, helping. Right. So, but there's so many different variations as to who Joanne Taylor is. Right. But that was, like, one of the first ones that I found. One of the other stories that I found that John eventually ends up, you know, through his questioning as things unfold, is Joanne Taylor was a woman he had met online and had some kind of relationship with. Mm -hmm. So it's, we go from pastor's wife to like online dating, possibly. Mm -hmm. So the story changes quite a bit. Now, I will also tell you that in the time frame that things were starting to decline between Tanya and John... Tanya actually had gotten a friend request from a Joanne Taylor on social media. And this was before everything unfolds. So there's a lot of speculation as to how much of this may have been Mm preplanned. Because they do later find out that it was John sending the friend request as Joanne Taylor. Uh So there's a lot of theory that this was like all preplanned. Absolutely. In some way. Right. That takes a lot of planning. To create a fake account, I would and send say it so. To your soon to be and ex-wife. also like before everything happens yep. too. So yep. it's like too coincidental. Very, There's very too much. Not that many coincidences in the world. Right. Sorry. So after Tanya talks to John and is like, "Okay, this is weird," you know, and I don't know how soon she like this Joanne Taylor. Like I don't know how soon they connect this, but I think it was after everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but she ends up calling him back because again. That gut feeling, she's right. like, oh, this is weird, I, I don't know. And nothing made sense. So when she did call back, John told her that he was actually in a hospital in Toledo because he had tried to hang himself. Can you imagine these calls unfolding? No. He's nope. like, oh, by the way. Especially not Amber when you know she's calling because something wasn't sitting right with her to begin with because there is a real thing as Mother's, mother's Instinct. Mother's Instinct, 100%. I think that's absolutely what she had. So now she's hearing that they're not with him now, and now he's in Toledo. Right. At the hospital because yep. he tried to hang himself. That's Toledo, Ohio. Just right. Geography. Yes. So at this point, she's like done and done. Yeah. Uh, called like, no. Calling the police. So yeah. she calls the police, you know, after he tells her this. Police Cherry. Police Cherry. Police. <laughs> sure. That sounds right. <laughs> what I meant to do is separate those. Police Chief Larry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like Weeks. Police Cherry better. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we should just keep that as police it is. Police Cherry. <laughs> it's way more fun. It is. No, police chief, Larry Weeks, he was the one that was originally assigned this investigation. Mm -hmm. So he goes down to Toledo to talk to John Skelton because he was actually there. I don't know why he picked Toledo. Like, I don't really know. It's not super far from Marinci, but like Jackson Hospital would have been closer. Right? It's, yeah, I guess when you think about it being... In Morency. Right. I was thinking they're like far, from they're here. Farther over, like, oh. over than we are. Yeah. Right. We wouldn't drive there, but still. So so when he arrives, John Skelton shared that he had left the boys with Joanne Taylor, his friend and her husband. They were very nice people. You know, they're, the boys were fine with her. Um, John said that things were not very going very well on Thanksgiving. And so he had decided to kill himself. And so he called Joanne to come and get the the kids from the house. Now, my favorite 
part of this is that Joanne was like, okay, sure. It's, it's Thanksgiving. I've got nothing else to do. I don't know you well, but I, I'll yeah. come get them. You helped me when my husband and I broke down on the side of the road. Yeah. Now you're feeling suicidal. I'll, I'll come grab the get kids. your kids on Thanksgiving. Oh, and you're going to kill yourself? Um, okay, you just I, take care. I'll get the kids. You do you. Yeah, you I'm do take you. It's a holiday. I understand. Yeah, yeah. hard times. These I'll, holidays aren't happy for everyone. Right. I'm just going to let you, as a pastor's wife... Kill, Kill yourself. yourself. Commit the, one of the ultimate sins. And I'll take these boys for you, not only just take them, but to Florida uh, with right. your family. Yep, yep, that's what I'm going to do. No big deal. No, not a lot to ask of a person at all. I don't, I'm not going to ask any questions. Yeah. It's fine. Happy hanging. So, <laughs> we need a drums right there. Uh, no, I mean, when you really break that down, it's like, Yep. Really? Exactly. Okay, John. Come again. So I think it's safe to say that Chief Weeks did not buy the story, and he immediately issued an Amber Alert for the boys right away, because he's like, "Mm, this makes zero sense. Weird. None of this lines up. Yeah, like, I don't believe you at all. Morency Fire Chief Chad Shizzler, Shizzler? If it's not, it should be. It damn well should be. (laughs) So I, my understanding is people acted pretty fast. Yeah. I will give the town of Morency some where, cred. Where this shit does not happen. Yeah. They stepped up. Lots of people volunteered. Yes. Like far and wide to search for these boys. Because mm-hmm. as soon as that Amber Alert hit, I think people were pulling together like, let's look for these kids. Yep. Uh, 25 volunteers right away st- stepped up and they started searching vacant lots, uh, parking areas, Everything, woods, you yes. know, everything in Morency area. Yep. Stripping it down. So, like, I give them props for that. It sounds like everybody really pulled mm-hmm. together. People in the community really stressed that they were all friends and neighbors, and they felt like Definitely. they needed to come together. Like, these They've are our kids, these too. Boys play yeah, they the knew yard. the kids. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, you know, they just all came together for this. Lenaway County Sheriff's Department searched the back roads of, like, the Ohio state lines and Fulton County. And I'll tell you, like, reading all this is just so crazy because it's area we know. Oh, absolutely. You know, it just, like, gives me chills. Mm -hmm. Chief Weeks obtained a warrant to search John Skelton's house on Congress Street. And he also was able to seize the electronics from the home. The boy's mother actually met police at the house with a spare key to let them in. And so when they entered the house, they found a very crazy scene. Mm -hmm. The house was like in complete chaos. Like everything was broken. There was like broken furniture, tables, like mattresses were cut with a knife and like broken dresser. I mean, it looked like I get the picture of like the whole house, like him just going on a rampage, trashing everything. Yes, like it was ransacked entirely. Yeah. And so in a rageful yes, ransack. Exactly the impression I get is a rageful, you know, maybe after that fight, like just completely going through the house and mm-hmm. losing his shit. Yep. That's yep. that's the impression I get. So on November 29th, just a couple days after Thanksgiving, police Chief Weeks went public with the findings with the warrant. Um, He made this statement. He said, we cannot say that Joanne Taylor does not exist, but we have no proof that John Skelton had a relationship with anyone by that name. Mm -hmm. Skelton's only Facebook activity on his wall was a post that he made uh, late Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. It said, may God and Tanya forgive me. I mean, that's pretty chilling. Mm-hmm. I'd say. So Chief, Chief Weeks also announced that John Skelton's, he had a blue Dodge Caravan that he drove around. It had a missing gas cap. Um, they they knew that it had went to Ohio around the turnpike from cell phone pings that they were able to pick up. So at some point Thursday evening and Friday morning, he is traced going down to, it would be Holiday City, uh-huh. if you're familiar, yep. if anybody's familiar. Um, they they know that the 
that he traveled down there. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you, he later says that it was a friend borrowing his van. Okay. But, you know, they do trace between, like, the early morning hours. Borrowing his van and his cell phone? You know, Black Friday shopping. Maybe Mm -hmm. Holiday City, which is also described as very depressing and desolate in the podcast <laughs> I bet it maybe is. that's where, where he went to shop i don't know yes there's lots of sales happening in holiday city so on black friday but no so they know and they believe this is when whatever happened uh-huh. happened uh-huh. they just don't know what what so but yeah they traced his his van down there and back um as the news spread, more volunteers pitched in, and people were literally going door to door. They put signs up. I remember the signs. Mm-hmm. Like, it me breaks too. my heart. I remember the signs with the three boys and, you know, the Have You Seen Me yep. pictures. People put those up everywhere, and they were literally just going door to door asking if they'd anybody seen the boys, any leads. Yep. John was in the hospital during this time still. And so while this search was occurring, he's hospitalized mm-hmm. in Toledo. This is when you'll see that his story really starts to become what I would call a clusterfuck of yeah, events. Absolutely. Like this is really where things lose any consistency at all. While John was in the hospital, he claimed that he did not remember what happened to his kids originally. He said he had a dream about them being abandoned in an old schoolhouse somewhere in Kunkel, Ohio. So, I mean, and searchers, well, while they're questioning him, they're taking their searches wherever he's telling. Of course. Like, oh, I remember this dream. All right, we're going to Kunkel. Right. We're searching for. Is there for, an abandoned yep. building? Yeah. We're searching for a schoolhouse. He also claimed a vision of the boys being in a dumpster near the Ramada Inn in Holiday City. So, all right, we're going there. We're searching that area, which is also where they thought he possibly possibly went anyway. Right, right. So investigators took the search down there. People are looking all over Holiday City area. This, this was one of the claims that they found to be very significant right off the bat because John had apparently written a poem about a little boy abandoned in a dumpster back in 2007, uh, which is really disturbing. But apparently it described like the what the boy was going through like he was like dying in the dumpster how is that poetic uh, like what goes over you like i need to express yes i'm sure poetic. This, this man is very philosophical yeah so they like they found that and they were like maybe there's this correlation and they really are in a oh dumpster somewhere God. like maybe right. this was him pre-planning this yeah even back that a couple years before right. or i'd say pre-fantasizing yeah, that could be too. Good call. Like maybe the thoughts were starting to come up. Because mm-hmm. clearly we have some mental health issues. Very much so. So that, absolutely, that much is obvious. So like I said, he they looked into all of these things, these bizarre dreams that he was having, these claims like visions and whatever. Like they they thought in some way this could be him confessing, like indirectly. So you're probably going to be shocked to hear this, but... So all of these dreams and visions that John had, they, they led to nowhere. Like, the investigators looked into them because, like I said, they thought maybe this was, like, an indirect way that he was confessing. confessing. sure. Like, oh, I had a dream. They yeah. were in the dumpster. Weird. Might want to check a, that out, you know. Except dumpsters get dumped every single day. Right. And so I think that they wanted to make sure they were looking into these things as clues. Absolutely. But they never found they were, anything. Yeah, they were doing their job. Yeah. Now, in the book that I read about this case, it talks a lot about the searches that went on. Mm -hmm. Like, there were a lot of searching efforts made. There's a a very large portion of the book that talks about, like, how many people searched and they came together, like I had mentioned. This was, of course, great, but one of the concerning factors in the searches that I read about was it was also hunting season. Yep. And so if you are from around here... You know, hunting season is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, people miss school. They do. We Some schools give the first day of hunting season off. Yep. Yep. That, they did at my school. Yep. Um, like, we prepare for our hunting. It's a big deal. It is. So, they were worried about this because they're searching wooded areas. They were, they were worried somebody was going to get shot. Shot, for sure. But they Mistaken. were also worried about 
I mean, everything was a crime scene at this point. So yeah. they were worried about um, basically the crime scenes being um, destroyed. Disrupted. Mm-hmm. And disrupted. Yeah. So these were factors that went in because they were thinking wooded areas would be somewhere he could possibly have gotten rid of them. Absolutely. At, at this point. So that was a, a barrier, I would say. I want to point something out, too, that we kind of talked off air, but I think we should bring it into the podcast about the dumpster theory. Yeah, we did talk about the dumpster. Um, not only do dumpsters get get dumped regularly, okay, and they couldn't, they, it's possible that they didn't get to the dumpster search in time, but like in our area, the everything that's picked up from the, the local trash companies and whatnot goes to an incinerator. Yeah. Not a landfill. Yeah. So if that's so, dumped like daily mm-hmm. or, you know, yep. I don't, I don't know how often they get right. dumped, but I know some places it, have to dump them frequently. Like yep. if you're at a hotel, if you're exactly. a restaurant, that the, kind of thing. The bigger, the bigger dumpsters. Yes. Yeah. So, but I'm just saying it might not even be as simple as going to a landfill to search because incinerators are used. So I just wanted to, to put that point in there. And I also want to put the point in that the fake Facebook profile that was created by Joanne, you know, for Joanne Taylor. Jo- yeah, Joanne Taylor friend requesting, I think was very much a way for him to monitor what um, Tanya, Tanya was, doing. was doing. Very, very good point. Absolutely. So, just, just pointing things out here. Yeah. So one of the sad things in this case uh, disadvantage I I should say is that all they really had to go by was what John was saying he was the last one that had them right he was the only one that was giving you know there was nothing else that they could really question anyone else you know right Um, no one else saw them that he wasn't having his family own over for dinner in his chaotic disaster of a house for Thanksgiving so a lot of the searches that were happening it was they were searching blindly like they didn't know where to go what to do and he was taking them on a wild goose chase with all of his stories so but a for effort seriously yeah with everybody there were a lot of searching or there was a lot of searching done yeah so around exit 13 off the Mm. Ohio turnpike this is um, is holiday city how you get into Michigan yep this what the this area was highly focused on because of the cell phone pings, mm-hmm. because of the dream, and there you know there was a dumpster at the hotel. Like there there were things that really led to that area. Yep. They even go down there in the podcast that I listened to, the Black Friday one, and kind of like look at the area. They even say in that podcast, like, I mean. It's not the safest area. And it's not, but it, and it's also, it is desolate. And it's very desolate. So unless you knew the area, which my understanding is that John did know the area. Being a trucker, he absolutely would know that area. He because passed that, through it. That, constantly. That yep. is how you get onto the Ohio Turnpike from Michigan. So they were like, this this would be a likely place to dump. Absolutely. You know, drop off, dump, whatever. Yep. We're not incriminating of course. Um, but so the, this area was highly focused on. Yeah. Because, I mean, the cell phone pings alone and then. I have so many friends that work in those factories. There's really some really big factories right around there that you can see as you're getting on the turnpike and whatnot. This whole thing. And I know the hotel. Like, I can picture it yeah. right now. Like, it's this is Isn't freaky. it chilling? I know. I, I, this one's hard. At one point in that area, they, they found something that looked to be a shallow grave and thought they may have a lead. And so. The search team was brought there to look at that. Another, unfortunately, like, led to nowhere. They dug the area up. They were looking to see if maybe they, you know, some someone had been buried there. It mm-hmm. looked like it was dug up, but there was nothing. No evidence of, of anything involving the boy. Un- uh, involving the boys. <laughs> so another problem with this, as it's all unfolding, we talked about this at the beginning, um, with many mis missing person cases, tips come in. Right. So many people, my grandparents including, think th- thinking yes. they may have seen three boys. Yes. Oh, they were spotted with a lady, um, you know. The other problem is these three boys are just adorable, so typical American-looking children. Yes. So if you see three boys around that age, yes. at, at, when this case was going on, you were looking for these boys. Yep. Which around this time, I mean, and it's so common to have 
three children two years apart. I had three boys, you know, two years apart uh-huh. around this time as well. Like, the blue eyes, blonde hair, you uh-huh. know, it's it's so, so common. I know. So, yeah, tips were coming in. And unfortunately, the media misreported some things as well. Yeah. This case was highly covered at yeah. the time. And so there was reports coming out. And one of the things that was reported during all of these searches going on is that the boys' bodies had been located near Holiday City. Mm-hmm. And so that was put out on the news that they'd been located. They That was not true. Right. They had not been located. But to be mom in this to be family in this that had to have been really hard for sure not only to hear that and be like wait what but then also to have to be stuck with the reality of no that's not true and constantly explain that to people yeah of no that just keep reminding yourself like no that they're still missing yeah that had to have been so hard John Skelton was finally released from the hospital as all this was going on. I don't know how long he was in there, but it sounds like he was in there a decent amount of time. Mm -hmm. So he was taken immediately into custody at the Lucas County Jail in Ohio, but the plan was for him to be extradited back to Michigan eventually. Like I mentioned, the stories change constantly, which is why I think when you look this case up, you're going to see so many different stories about it. Yeah. So at this point, after he's released, he's starting to say that the boys hadn't been taken by Joanne Taylor, the original woman that we had talked about. It was actually a man named Niles Mm -hmm. and a woman named Sue. Yes, Niles and Sue. Good old Niles and Sue. What's the big deal? Niles and Sue have them. then, Then he went from that to, you know what? There is no name. Um, we're just, it's a very top secret underground organization dedicated to protecting children from people such as their mother, Tanya. Yes. And so there's no name that pisses me off the most. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's at this point, there's no name. We're just this, this underground civilization, which is, I feel like there's, there's no name. They found me. Yes. Because they knew the situation. I feel like once this kind of came into the picture, he kind of ran with it and is maybe some way stuck to it, but it's also changed as well. But like, we've gone from Joanne to like the society. Yes. This church society, wasn't it? Yes, it was like a Mennonite yes. type of church. Which I would imagine the Mennonites are like, please leave us out of this. Yeah, we got we no, have nothing thank to you. do with this. Yeah. Um, so, like I had said before, Tanya has been open about her charges, but John has used this and, and ran with it the entire time. Um, he, he at this point, claims that he gave the children to the secret society because he had to protect the boys from their mother, mm-hmm. who was now sexually abusing them. He's yes. making these claims. Mm-hmm. So he had to save them by giving them to this secret society. Right. And there's no factual evidence to those claims I, either. And I was just, that was literally my next little blurb. Sorry, here. didn't mean to <laughs> oh, steal no. your thunder. <laughs> no, I'm just agreeing heavily that these were looked into. Nothing was ever substantiated that she no. had sexually abused the children in any way, shape, or form. No. So... Yeah, that was like my nut, literally my next uh, sentence. So in one of the press conferences that took place, John, after John was taken into custody, they did announce that John would be charged with parental kidnapping. And obviously they couldn't charge him with murder because there was no proof. Right. They, even with the searches, they had nothing. You have no weapons. You have no evidence to, for the murder. You just have the children not returning. Exactly. So the the chief weeks in this case, he tried to remain optimistic, but they, they also announced that they did not expect a positive outcome in this case. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as weeks are going by, right. the case becomes muddy. There's compulsive lying and stories changing. This wasn't like just a problem. It was like the main problem. Yes. John's lies. Like yes. it just was taking them in every direction, up, down, sideways mm-hmm. and, you yep. know, Ass over elbows everywhere. Yeah, because Ugh, that's the worst place to be. It really Ass is over not elbows. comfortable. No. <laughs> yeah, it got a little messy, and the false information by the news being reported also didn't help. Nope. 
I don't want to say that they fell apart, but they were starting to kind of fizzle out as this all transpired. I feel like Chief Weeks tried really hard to keep it going and clear things up, like the media misunderstandings. I feel like he made a good effort to do that. Mm -hmm. But another factor in search parties kind of starting to fall apart is the time of year. Right. Um, Now we're going into winter. It's cold in Michigan. Michigan, Mm -hmm. even into Ohio border um, and and Indiana. It's not fun. Not at all. No, it's basically the fourth ring of hell, people. It really is. It's it's like where Satan would be skating. Yes. Yes. His ice rink would reside. Where he comes to winter. It's, yeah, it's just not fun. And so people were exhausted. They were cold and wet. And it mm-hmm. was not easy to keep these search parties together. It wasn't, no. Now, so I had mentioned the warrant that they obtained to to seize his electronics yes. in the house. And so, you know, as they're doing the searches, they're also investigating things they found in the house, looking at his computer. His and online they, activities. Yes. And that's, I, I believe, when they probably discovered that Joanne Taylor yep. was actually him. Yep. Um, the friend request to Tanya. And the, another thing that they found that was really, really disturbing was his searches, his mm-hmm. his Google searches. Um, That'll get you, people. Every time. Unless those don't you're go away. a true crime podcaster, okay? Mine have nothing to do with who I am as a person, <laughs> professional. We only. often make disclaimers when we're Ugh. texting, like, if anybody's watching, this is for for our podcast. Right. Yes. <laughs> if anybody's monitoring. F- like, Bibby, if you're monitoring, yeah, it really is just an innocent search to see how long it would take to actually dissolve someone's for, body for the case, not for us, chemical. right? Yeah. Right, <laughs> exactly. But for John Skelton, these searches were very disturbing. Um, one of them was, "Does rat poison kill children?" Okay, that's one that they found. Another one that they the found. The answer is yes, fucker. Uh, yeah. As we've seen in other cases. Right. Kills um, husbands, too. Yes. In pies. Yes. Or Turns that was out. arsenic, wasn't it? That's Is that rat poison? I don't know. We've had so many. So many poisons. Wives poison so many potions. husbands with treats. <laughs> yes. So one of the other searches that they found was, can you break someone's neck with your hands? Mm. So Also, the one, answer is yes. Yeah. Neither one of these... With everything no. else is very comforting. These are not normal things for uh, people to be Googling. No. I mean, seriously. No, they're not. Like, no. Now, John would later tell the police after he was questioned about these very disturbing searches, he was just being helpful in searching for information to educate the boys because they were asking questions about this. So he's just like, let daddy look that up for you. I don't even have words for how stupid oh, that is. What kids you want to learn learn you're about fi- breaking necks? You're five, seven, and nine. Yeah. Let let me Google that for you. Will will rat poison kill kids? You can't just tell your kids stay away from rat poison because it it's bad for you. Right. I have to Google it and become he's, Professor he's Skelton. Like, let me educate you on that. No. Yeah, so no. he was like, no. It was, Shove was it up searching. your dick hole. You're a liar. Yeah. Sorry, no. And lots of li- lots of things in this case, lots mm-hmm. of things. So the discovery of these searches is really what truly led police to begin thinking something very horrible had happened. Mm-hmm. The search was officially moved to a homicide investigation in February of 2011. Mm-hmm. Chief Weeks, among others in this case, talked about working with Tanya, the boy's mom, they all claim to have respect for her. They know of her past. Yeah. They are aware of that, but she was very cooperative and helpful in all of this. And they do talk about forming some kind of bond with her mm-hmm. and relationship with her through all of this. Um, you know, just from listening to some of the, the bits in the podcast, they talk about like they, the investigators showed sympathy for her, like as a mom that of lost course. her children. Yeah. And so that's really what it, it well, was that, about. That is what this case is about. Yes. She is a mom who lost her children and she had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So absolutely. Chief Weeks didn't stay on this case. It mm-hmm. was uh, switched over to someone else. But he did say that this case has changed him forever. And he really responds differently to cases like this mm-hmm. now. And he'll never be the same after working it. I can't mm-hmm. imagine. I don't know if he had to leave it or if it was just another job came up. Not sure. Right, right. I I can't imagine, like, 
this was easy to work, so. No, not at all. Especially not when you've got a guy that's just trying to mind fuck everybody and send them every which way but, yeah. but his, really. So as time went on, the leads faded. Um, we know the first few days of the case are the most crucial. Right. Because of John's lies and his runaround, they were never able to get significant leads or, you know, their searches basically led to nowhere, and eventually those those did fizzle out. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the hill that he's dying on is that they're in the underground yes, church. They, they will that's, be returned that's to him. That's his last, yep. Yep, and I'm going to go over uh, some of the theories in this case because, unfortunately, as time went on, as we see with other cases, the searches, they died off. Yeah. Um, you know, 12 years has passed and no, no answers still. Right. So there are countless theories in this case. Um, some people believe that John is literally the only person that knows truly what happened to those boys. Yep. And some people believe, as we kind of mentioned at the beginning, that the lack of participation from John's family indicated that they actually may know something mm-hmm. um, and they just never came forward with the truth. Mm-hmm. So we don't know which one. I don't know if either is true, but right. those are some speculations. I will tell you that I watched an interview one, like it probably was at the beginning when this was all unfolded because John parents do like briefly do maybe one interview. I don't Mm -hmm. know. They're very absent in all of this, but they did talk to some reporter at some point and it was just really awkward. John's father reported someone coming up to him in a public setting, like coming up behind him and whispering to him. That the boys are safe now. Yeah. And he simply just said, okay. Mm -hmm. Didn't turn around. Didn't ask anything. Okay. He was just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this feels good. Okay. I'm not going to try to turn around and see who the fuck you are. Whispering in a grown man's ear in a public place. I don't know who they're with or if I'll ever see them again, but okay, that's fine. What that tells me is we now understand where John gets his ridiculous lies from. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Say no more. But so both parents, like they take his word for it and they support this, like the boys are safe in this underground uh, community. Sure. It's 12 years later and um, the oldest would be 19, 20 by now. Yep. So, 20, yeah. Okay. And the underground thing kind of evolves too, which I'll talk about here shortly. But yeah, like this, this interview, it looked to be quite probably towards the beginning of everything. It was a while ago, but they're just like, yeah, the boys are safe. It's cool. We probably never see them again, but they're safe. But we're fine with that. It's all, it's all right. It was well, just very odd. And you know what's also odd about things like that? Is that just because, let's entertain for a brief second the theory that they were handed to somebody else. How do you know for a fact that they're safe, moron? Right. You handed them Oh, because someone whispered it into my ear. Right. Yep. So I know they're safe. Give me a break. It's 12 years has passed. You have absolutely- No. Yeah, they're just fine. First of all, they could have just been in a general car accident, Right. Second of all, you don't know these people, so if he did just give them away, they were probably pedophiles. Right. So, no. You don't just give your kids away to somebody. No. No. And just like, it's fine now. They're safe. Yep, yep. They're totally fine. No. I'll never see them again. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I just, it's, oh, it's so hard. I have so many things I want to say, but I'm not going to say them. Total bukkake. Um. So a family member of John's, his cousin Sarah, she did participate in an interview, I think, at one time. And she was adamant that Tanya was very much abusing the boys. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's fam- his family members that, like, support the these claims that he made. Um, sure. But, again, nothing ever substantiated these claims about Tanya. Right. Um, Tanya has participated in a lot of interviews, like we mentioned, in hopes that she can keep the conversations going and keep this case alive, Mm -hmm. which... Which also doesn't speak to somebody who's guilty of child abuse. Right, right. And she, too, adamantly denies there's absolutely no truth to these claims. John acted as his own lawyer during the court proceedings. I remember this. Like, I wasn't even surprised to read that. Me neither. Of course he represented himself. Why wouldn't he? He probably couldn't remember all of the things he'd have to tell an attorney. Right. I don't know. There's a lot going on in this case. Lord. And he even asked Tanya when when he was 
uh, he questioned her on the yeah, stand. Yeah, got to cross-examine. He asked if, if she thought the boys were safe. And obviously she responded, uh, not without being appropriately with their parent. No, I don't think they're safe. Right. Good God. Yeah, when I read that, I was like, of course he did. Yep. Of course he represented himself. Well, he can write poetry, Amber, so he can, he doesn't need a law degree. Those aren't important. Yeah. So, um, fast forwarding, like I said, you know, the search has fizzled out. There hasn't been any sig- significant leads in this case. There's many theories, but since September 15th of 2011, John Skelton has been beh- behind bars at mm-hmm. Bellany Creek Correctional Facility in Ionia, Michigan. Mm-hmm. He has never been com- convicted of murder. Um, he, in 2011, he copped a plea deal in Lenawee County, and he pled no contest to three counts of lawful imprisonment, which is defined as knowingly restraining someone or keeping the, the location of them confined mm-hmm. in secret. Mm-hmm. So the judge did find him guilty of the lawful imprisonment and sentenced him to 15 years total. This was broken down to five years for each child. So he got a lengthy sentence, but they could never charge him with murder because there was no evidence right. that pointed and to honestly, it. Honestly, in three years, he'll be free. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that. From what I read, he's also spent most of his time in solitary confinement, his prison sentence. Really? Yeah. So he was actually, he had to be moved from the general population due to this being somewhat of a high-profile case that grabbed a lot of attention. People knew who he was. Yeah. And so from what I read, he was originally in Parnell Correctional Facility in Jackson. Oh, yeah. And they had to move him because he was being assaulted quite often there. Sure. So we know we've heard the stories. We have. About how that goes. We certainly have. And people know what you did. Yep. Especially to children. Yeah. So he had to be transferred, and he does remain in Ionia. Ionia. I can't, I'm going to be honest with you, I can't think of anything worse than a solitary confinement. No, that, that would be horrific, for sure. Also, I'm wondering how he's going to acclimate in three years. I don't yeah. know. This worries me. I know. In one of the clips I watched... um, this would have been just before the Black Friday podcast came out, like the same reporter went there. He didn't agree to do interviews often, but there was this one reporter that he would like agree to talk to through all of this. And so he allowed an interview. She got in there and he, according to what she said, he immediately like broke down and started crying just because he was like so overwhelmed to have a visitor because oh, he'd been yeah. alone yeah. for so long. Yeah, um, that, that would be. And surprisingly, like, his family has not come to see him at all. Like, maybe once or twice the entire time. That's it. So he has no visitors. Nobody's, you know. That might speak some things. And so even, like, with this reporter, from what I read and and listened to, like, even the visits, because he's done a couple calls with her as well, like, it's on his terms. Like, they'll set something up and then he won't show up yeah or you that know, doesn't surprise me like then they'll have to reschedule it because it's like on his time yeah so he can yeah. show that he still has control he's got to still have that power and control yeah he has continued to claim his innocence mm-hmm. and like i said the story has evolved it's gone from joanne taylor to like niles and sue then there was four people um then we have back to joanne one was Virgil, one was Sue, and one was Elijah. And he said that they he had met them at J.D.'s truck stop in Niles, Michigan. These are probably more of the most recent claims that he's made. Like, it's evolved, this underground thing's evolved into, like, he met them at Niles, Michigan. And he began the process of handing the boys over to them. Um, he said the group is now it's referred to the underground sanctuary. That's the name of them. So all of this happened between 2.30 p.m. when neighbors saw this happen, saw the kids playing in the yard. And that evening when mom was calling, not feeling good about this situation, and he's suddenly in Toledo. Uh, Yep. And Niles, Michigan is quite a distance from Marenzi. And so, uh, yeah, this all happened very fast because he said he allowed the boys to sleep over with these the underground sanctuary it was like a test run 
on Thanksgiving night and then basically like handed them over after that. Okay. But you were already in Toledo hospital for your (laughs) mental break. So, and they were with Joanne and your phone, your cell phone never pinged around Niles. It was in holiday city, Ohio. Yeah. So, so the, try again. The underground sanctuary thing, I think he's, like, kind of strengthened and built up. Like, he's going with this now. These are the lies he's believing himself. Because it what originally that was not the story at all. It was, like, right. Joanne no. took them. And she's the pastor's wife. He, they're great, you know. But now it's, he claimed that the boys said, quote, mommy was sexing us. And that that's why he needed to give them to this underground sanctuary. Mm-hmm. The FBI has literally never found even a small trace of this group that it exists anywhere. Um, there's claims that this group is like a Mennonite group, like mm-hmm. a- Amish type of community. And so, and that they're really good at covering their tracks. So they can't be yes. like, the, that's why the FBI can't find them. Yes. Even the FBI can't find them. John so found off them. The, Right. But John Skelton found but them. But nobody else is ever going to yeah. find them. Okay, sure. Ever. Also, in, if you are interested, the shortest distance between Morency and Niles, Michigan, is two hours okay. and one minute. So that's a very long trip for the mm-hmm. overnight. And- between 2.30 and then approximately like 8 o'clock that evening when he's suddenly in Toledo, Ohio, which from Morency to Toledo is not as long. Very busy that evening. It is an hour away. Okay. From Morency to Toledo. So, yeah, 48 minutes to be exact, according to my Google maps here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, essentially, he would have had to have driven them, dropped them off, went and had a psychotic break, and then... Came three hours all the way back, all while... That is one heck of a night. Woo! Woo. It's a lot. Um, J- John has gone on to now retract the claims that he tried to kill himself, which mm. is originally what he had said in the case. Mm-hmm. He has stated to, to police that the children will hibernate until they graduate, which, like we said, the one is... Um, which he would be 21 now. 21. So... Along with that, this underground sanctuary, there's another piece of the story that he claims that the boys would be returned to him when they were adults, basically, like when they graduated. Like the underground sanctuary would keep them until... That's the hibernation? Yes, the hibernation. They will hide the children until they're of adult age, and then John... Like, would get the boys back safely. Yes, because they're just going to pick up right where they left off, Amber. Yeah, and not, I mean, all those years of trauma and abandonment, it's yeah. fine. Like, the boys will be fine and happy. Daddy, we're home. Yeah, yeah it's just, like, the sun is shining down and they yeah. just r- all run and you reunite together. No, and someone was taking on the financial burden of three yeah. children, boys. Yeah. yeah. No. Actually... That is part of this. So the Black Friday podcast, they do go visit the Amish, as I said, mortified by the desolate area. And oh, it is a good, it's a good podcast. I was just mildly entertained by the, Definitely. yeah, so desolate. But they go and visit the Amish and they basically ask them like, because not a lot of people know about what goes on in the, the Amish, Amish community. community. They're yeah. so private, which people have actually questioned like, hey, what if this is true? The boys could have easily been infiltrated into this community and nobody finds them Mm because nobody goes like not a lot of outsiders go into the Amish world, you know. Mm -hmm. So they asked like, hey, would this be probable? They, They found some Amish to talk to. There was this girl. It was actually the Amish bakery. In Camden. Oh, no kidding. Um, they go down there. And so they, this young girl was working the bakery. And so they're asking her questions. And she is talking to them, saying, like, well, yeah, they probably, you know, we, our community probably would take children in that needed help. And then Big Daddy comes in. He's like, we, we don't do recordings here. Oh. Like, this shit oh. stops okay. now. He doesn't really say that. but No, but they, like, don't, no. they don't. Use electronics. Yes, and he did. He's like, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. So they had to stop talking to the girl. But they did get her to say, you know, well, like, yeah. But agreeing that yes, we would help children in need, 
and concealing from the authorities for years when they know that they're being looked for two totally different things. Because I do think that the Amish community would absolutely absorb children in need for sure. But the, the Amish that I have met, I do not believe that they would be like, oh, we know that there's a mother out there actively searching for this child and the authorities. And I don't know. That is what they later get from the Amish. Um, They're, questioning with this visit was stopped but they do go back and try to talk to like a different family and they did indicate like yes we would obviously help the children but we would also you know report it we wouldn't just keep the children from their mother or the police concealing right exactly the Amish did know about this case when when they asked the reporters asked if they were familiar I mean everybody knew about the case so it's not like they didn't know this had happened right but they were like, yeah, we wouldn't just keep them from... No. And they're going to notice that, like, hey, Sue and Virgil all of a sudden gained a five, seven, and nine-year-old. And yeah, like- the way that the community comes together, that the Amish community is very tight-knit. They go to church together, all that stuff. Someone would have reached out and, and reported. Not to mention, they also have a lot of friends that are outside of the Amish community. So someone yeah. would have said something like... Hey, I think that Virgil and Sue might have, you know, are helping those kids out and that that's where they are. Like the talk would have got around the, our very the, small the towns. community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, one of the biggest theories that remains in this case is just the, the act of, of doing this for revenge against yeah. Tanya and yeah. just wanting to, you know, she, she wasn't, was resistant to getting back together and at that point, she had said, like, no, I don't think it's going to work out. Uh, yeah. And so it was that's one of the th- theories, plain and simple, is he did this to get back at her. Yeah. You're not going to be with me. You're not going to have these kids. We've seen it time and time again. And hello, Josh Powell. Um, there's another theory, which I don't I don't know. Like I said, there's a lot of speculation, but that when he went to Florida, that there was maybe he had planned on leaving her for someone else. Oh, and yeah. Because there was that friend down there. Yeah, yeah, Hillary. He left abruptly mm-hmm. and and didn't take her originally. So there was this theory of like, well, that's weird because mm-hmm. he originally wanted to move the family down. And then all of a sudden it's, she, oh, you didn't want to go right. to Tanya. Like, oh, you didn't want to go. She's like, wait a second. I so, didn't want to move there. I didn't say I didn't want to go on vacation. Right. So there was a theory like maybe he wanted to leave her for someone else or he had this secret relationship. I, nothing's ever fully right. substantiated but that's another kind of speculation Avenue. yeah i would say most people believe that the boys are likely dead at this point yeah. again we're not incriminating on this podcast but there's an, another i mean it's a theory yeah. that they're dead and un, unfortunately we may never know what happened well he knows we know that he was charged with concealing so in law unlawful imprisonment which yeah. includes concealing and yeah i yeah. So He's not innocent in this, which is why he is currently serving time. As I was listening to the podcast and just other things, some people do question, like, did they go some? I mean, he's adamant that they were handed over. So it's like, I think most people believe that they are no longer with us. Yeah. But I, I, you know, maybe there's some out there that really believe that they're with some secret society. Yes. Um. John did become eligible for for parole in 2020, Mm -hmm. which he has not been released yet. In fact, when he was up for parole in September of 2021, again, he didn't show up to the hearing. Oh. He didn't even go. Okay. So he wasn't released at that time, and he's still in prison. And he is expected to be fully released in 2025. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's where we're at. Um. There was an article in 2020 that I had found and Tanya had stated in that article. She clings to a slim hope that the boys are still alive. I get that. You mm-hmm. know, I get that she's hoping still. Of course. Um, it, but she said, realistically, she doesn't know how anyone could have kept them concealed this, this entire time. time. So yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm hoping I have that sliver of hope that, like, I want to believe that. But 12 years have gone by. Right. Right. So um, sketches of the boys and and I've seen, I think we've all seen, they've been released over the years. They have. Modifying what they would look like at this point. They have really consistently kept up with those. Yep. Um, Like, okay, they would be these ages and this is what we would believe they'd look like if you've seen them. Yep. 
they continue to do those. In 2012, John Walsh actually picked this case up. I remember watching this. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing this. Me too. Um, they, it was because it's a missing persons case considered possibly an abduction. He covered the case on America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. And that gra- grabbed a lot of attention. Yep. So I want to mention, we're almost finished here, but I want to mention another really difficult part of this case that has happened over the years. So there has been several instances where they thought they possibly found remains of the children. Mm-hmm. I also remember these two, you know, the news Me too. Bro- broadcasting like, oh, possibility remains found of three boys, which is also very sad. Yes. Um, there's been at least two, maybe even more that I remember where they're like, we're testing these to see if they possibly are the skeleton children. Which means they're other people. Yeah, that's what's so sad about the whole I thing. I know because every time it's it has not been traced back to them. It's no, it's not them. So it's like but there's it's three someone. other children. Yes, yeah. I can't imagine being the mom, and it's like, oh well, we are looking into these remains, yes. and it might be them. I constantly and, get those calls. Yeah, yeah. Tanya continues to fight John's parole. Uh, every yep. time there's a hearing or he's coming up for parole, she actively asks people to write letters and encourages other people to do that yep. as well. And that's that's all she wrote. I mean, I that I wish I had more as far as like I know. breaks in the case, but there is none. And he, John remains, he maintains his innocence. They've never found enough to charge him with murder. Right. And but that doesn't mean that they won't in the future. I think that's very carefully why they didn't charge him with murder the first time around. Because uh, he can be, he wasn't charged with murder. He hasn't been charged with that yet. So it's possible that in the future, if anything else comes forward, that he could be. That he could be, yeah. Even after serving 15 years for the you know unlawful imprisonment charge. So it's one of the worst tragedies that we've seen around Absolutely. our area. Yep. And I don't think anybody would ever forget when that when this was all happening and no. I'm going to bring us one for my next case actually that is a Lenawee County case as well. Oh wow. And it's a missing person. So yeah, that's a very recent uh case, so stay tuned for that. And it is no reflection on Lenawee County. There No, it's a, a good great county. county. They just have had some things. Yes. But I mean, we we've all had all of our counties have had some things. That's true. So very true. Are you ready? So ready for a brain bath? Awesome. Okay, so I actually have a wonderful brain bath for us. This is from a listener, and we love her. Okay. She is is uh, constantly sending us great stuff. So um, this is from Andrea. We have permission to oh, use her, her name. Andrea, she's a lovely Patreon. She is. One of our first, actually, from back in the day. So yeah, thank you, Andrea. We appreciate her so much. And this is such a funny story. She actually sent it to us, like, in... Messenger. Oh, this one. This okay, is the one. Yeah, I'm. I'm so ready. So for this. I'm like, I'm just gonna read it verbatim what she As wrote. You it's great. It's mm-hmm. a great story. So, it says, for starters, I come from a twisted family. <laughs> same girl, same. <laughs> right. Lured me in them. right there. I love yeah. them, but mm-hmm. I felt that. We laugh at in- inappropriate times, make jokes to deal with stress, but always have our family and friends backs. See, this is why she likes the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like my life. Right. To start the story, my grandma found she had blood clots forming, causing her to have many strokes and hid it for us as long hid it from us as long as she could. Aww. She ended up in hospice at home with my mom and I there daily and friends of the family hired to take shifts for day and night. She said many hysterical things. Anyway, When my grandpa passed, she had an extra large urn made for his ashes and hers to be together. Aww. It's very sweet. We called it the box. (laughs) Just the box where grandma and grandpa are going. When she spoke to the funeral director to plan her own funeral, parentheses, she had a slight control problem. (laughs) She reminded him about not forgetting the box when he comes to get her. Fast forward weeks later, and she passes. My aunt came home from Colorado for us to do a very small, only immediate family burial. We had a family plot, 
open and I had the grave diggers get it ready. When my parents, aunt and I show up, no one was around. There was just a board over the hole. This was at a local cemetery, by the way, too. So I can um, picture this. Yes. <laughs> we move the board and there's a six foot hole, roughly three by three wide. We stand there staring down, wondering how in the fuck we get the box six down there. Feet for a urn? It's like it's very this excessive. Is excessive. We're making sure grandma and grandpa are not coming back yes. at all. I, I just picture this all folding, like unfolding. Like, how are we going to get this down there? Absolutely. My mom said to drop it. The fuck oh. we are. <laughs> ashes, ashes to ashes, dust to dust all up in our faces. <laughs> good call. Good I, call. Good call because I don't. I don't know if I would have thought no, of that. I'm not gonna sniff and my grandma, grandma and grandpa, grandpa. <laughs> straight up my nostrils. Grandma That's and grandpa just everywhere among us. Not yeah. happening in all of the crevices. No, <laughs> not about to snort grandma's ass up my nose. <laughs> she needs gently placed yeah, in that box. Very gently placed. And then I look at my dad, and he is giving me the look I've seen oh. many times over the years. Fuck. <laughs> so imagine Andrea, nicely dressed, hair curled, and making the jump down into the fucking hole in a cemetery. No. No. Surrounded by my dead family members. <laughs> yep, it happened. And it gets better. My dad... My da- <laughs> God, I love this story. I was just, I was dying when I was reading oh, this. Oh, me too. My dad lays on his belly and hands me the box. <laughs> this is my favorite yes, part. Me too. This is where I just lost it. Dad, let's problem solve Here, this. Hold I'm on. Get down. <laughs> so I put grandma and grandpa down between my feet. We, can, we can't really say any parting words as we are all dying laughing and I am swearing telling them it was true love to do this bullshit. Seriously she's literally in the grave with them. We gather ourselves. My aunt has her boys on FaceTime so they can witness the shit show. Also my favorite part. Oh god. And my mom suggested I get the hell out of the hole. Yep, yeah. Great plan. Well, until I realized I am only 5'5", five five and I am in a six-foot hole right. in a cemetery with right. no ladder, no rope, no stool, nothing. And probably not hops enough to jump six feet out of the oh, hole. Oh, yeah. My, my upper body strength isn't getting me out of no, there. No, no. No. I tried oh, climbing Lord. out. I tried to find roots to use. <laughs> no. As a rope, I get it. I get you. Yes. Yep. Yep. Good thinking. I finally had to apologize to Jesus and my grandpa and my grandparents as I stood. Used. This is my favorite ever. As I stood and used the box as a stool. Just excuse, excuse to grab me. my dad's arm. Grandma, Grandpa, par- pardon Sorry. me. Pardon me. Just Sorry, let me guys. just scoop. Let me just scoop. I am gonna step on you here. I hope you uh, understand. Uh, no. <laughs> to get your dad's arm, and then hope oh. that your dad can pull that your he ass can pull you out up. of there. Yes. <laughs> because I that takes upper body strength too from his stomach. Like oh my gosh, yeah. Also, I'd like to point out that I don't know that I think Matt would be pissed if I bought an extra large box and was like, oh, no, bitch, I'm coming in here with you. You've shared a bed with me all these years. Guess what? You're going to share an urn, too. Oh, yeah. I yeah. don't know that he would love that, but I'm going to ask him after this I recording. Think, I think you should. It's till like, you know, this this is how it's going. That's yeah. what Matt's going to say, though. It's it's till death do us part. But I don't no, need not to share quite. a bed with you anymore. But not quite. Your ass is mine. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. If you think I'm not joining you in that urn, you've got another thought coming, buddy. You think you're going to have eternity peaceful and alone? If you're going in this box solo. It's <laughs> no. <laughs> not happening. Oh, she ends it with, I can only imagine what people thought driving by. And I <laughs> wish to God I would have been. I know. I know. I... Using the roots as like she has she has flaming red hair too, so people would have noticed. Oh yeah, that it her was her head bobbing up and down in that grave. 
Yeah, there's no mistaking her. Like she no. has a very distinct look. So she they, does. There's no pulling off. It was another person. Andrea. <laughs> Andrea curled her hair yeah. today. Oh my god. She looks hi. so nice. Why is she in a Why grave? Is she in the grave. What's happening? Oh my gosh. That is seriously the best. It is. I love it. It is the best. If you guys have stories like that, just shoot them in email or messenger. We will read them. They're our favorite. Oh, we love it. I prefer the true uh, messages from our real listeners than finding them online for sure. Oh, me too. Me too. When they happen to you people, write us. Please do. Share in your misery and pain with us. Because we also picture you going through it. Absolutely. The thought of so personal. Beautiful redheaded Andrea standing on her grandparents' urn is priceless to me. It is the best. Because we have sick, twisted senses of humor. I also love the part of like dad giving her the look like, you know, you got to do it. It's not going to be me, honey. You know, it's you. you. Yeah. But then when he's crawling on his belly. Here. That's Let when somebody hand, drives by. And grandma like, and grandpa down to you. Yes. And thank God he didn't drop them right on her face. Oh, God. Could yep. you imagine she's wearing grandma and grandpa's ashes? You know the two of them are laughing in the afterlife. Absolutely. Like, laughing so hard at this. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, thank you for listening. We hope you guys keep it curious. Write us on um, case suggestions if you'd like social media or crimecurious at yahoo.com. We will get to them. We have a backlog, but don't worry. We're not going anywhere, so we'll get to them, people. And uh, in the meantime, just hang tight, and we'll come back at you next week with uh, some more horrible cases. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's right. We sure do sell our podcast really well. We do. Come back for some more horrific shit. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye.